Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. I believe in Him. My everything. I believe in Him. My everything. He will be right there. 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 My everything. 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 the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way. I love the passage of scripture in the Bible, Reverend Tony, where it says that the man was clothed in his right mind. And I said to myself, what does it mean to be clothed in your right mind? It means that you want to worship the God who keeps you alive. You want to worship the God who blesses your family. You want to wish please the God that does away with all of your sins and forgives you over and over again. You want to worship and praise a God who holds you close in your midnight hour. You want to praise a God that knows the trouble that you have seen. And sometimes I get confused when I come into the house of the Lord. And it looks as if the concert is not going well. And I don't know if that's because God hasn't moved yet in your heart or if you just don't care. Because there's a word that says that what we are excited about, we are energized by it. And I don't understand God's people sometimes. I don't understand how we just sit down on God. I don't understand how we so easily forget that COVID has not landed at your door. I don't know how we can't even raise our holy hand and say, Lord, you've been good. I don't know how we sit here with all of our wealth and fancy clothes and nice cars and beautiful homes and we can't even raise a hand and say thank you God. It's not because we've been good. It's because God is faithful. So I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused when nothing moves you shakes you up. I'm just confused. But I'm from Alabama. Maybe that's the reason why. I just don't get it. Because when I'm excited about something, you know that I'm excited. 
when I'm excited about something, I have some enthusiasm in my heart. So it's time for us to get excited about God and get over ourselves. Because if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Where would we be? Where would we be? Merciful God, forgive us, O oh Lord, right now for our laziness. Forgive us, O oh God, for our selfishness. Forgive us, O oh God, for our worldliness. Forgive us, O oh God, that even in your house we can't raise our hand and say, Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, I ask you to forgive me and forgive my people, oh God. Forgive us, oh God, because you have kept us over the years. You have kept us, and you have loved us with an unconditional love. So, Lord, I'll speak for myself. I will love you all the days of my life, and I will praise you all the days of my life. It doesn't matter who does not praise you. I will lift up your name and tell the world that you are a faithful God, my God, the God of salvation. I bless your name. Bless your name. I pray, dear God, that you will give us a spirit of worship and that you will dry up our laziness in the name of Jesus. I ask, oh God, that all demons be removed from this space right now in the name of Jesus. I ask, oh God, that the demons be silenced by the name of Jesus. And I ask, oh God, that we will hear you in a different way and we will love you the way that we ought to. All in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus, I pray. The greatest gift you could have ever given man your only begotten son. And here we are today with salvation because you gave us the perfect gift so that we might have life. Thank you, Father. Love you, Lord. Bless your name. And I go forward counting on you, O oh God, because you are all that I have. I count on you, O oh God, because you made the promise to me and I made one to you. So thank you, God. And bless your holy name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Oh, my God. September 12th. Sermon title, Have You Ever Been in Love? Uh, September 19th, If You Love Me. September 26, God loves you. Do you love him? And today, I believe it's October 10th, my sermon was going to be, what is love? And the more I read about love, the more I realize I don't know what I thought I knew. And I realize that love is multidimensional. And that the way that the world, Deacon Viola, has defined love is not God's way of defining love. During a week of reflection, relaxation, talking to God, 
I was reading about the African-American experience uh, and how it is filled with pain and agony. I was reading about the, the role of the church in the African-American experience of slavery. And some have asked over the years, Deacon Bacon, why is it that most African-Americans and most churches talk about life in a futuristic fashion? We always talk about Deacon Keith, the, the pearly gates, and, and when I get to heaven, it's going to be what a time. I'm going to sing in the heavenly choir. And this is an observation that we're always projecting into the future. And I realize if the world has nothing to offer you and all you have is the promise of a future in Jesus Christ, that's what you think about. While I was away, I participated in a tour in downtown Charleston where slaves were sold as property. And I was able to see the shackles and just live images of how God's people were treated. And the more I observed, the more I understood about the church being the center of our lives. And after seeing that auction block and the way that slaves were brought into this space to be sold, I went on a tour of the Magnolia Plantation. I'm not really big on plantation tours because they make me sad. But I went on this tour and at the end, we were able to go into the slave quarters we saw a space that's the size of my office that housed 15 people. There was no electricity, <laughs> no running water, no bathroom, no lotion, no deodorant, no furniture, no quilts, no blankets. And as I was looking at that space, I realized why the church ought to always be the center of our lives. When I looked at that space and realized how God kept these people, our ancestors, who worked all day and sometimes at night, no sleep, no doctors, no urgent care, all they had was Jesus. And as I walked that space, I started praying in my heart that God take us back again to the place where we first loved thee. I started praying for my church, and I was asking God to rid us of the world so that we will love you again. And that's my prayer every day. In the midst of our pain and agony, we hear voices like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
who says that love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into friend. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. And then Dr. King said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. And this is why he says, Right, temporarily, we might look defeated, but the stronger we get as we remain triumphant in the Lord. And love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. When I go back and read what Dr. King had to say and others who write about love, I realize how much I need to grow. <laughs> he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. How many of you know people who refuse to forgive someone who hurt their feelings 10 years ago? How many of you know people who boast about, I, I don't speak to her anymore because she made me mad, and therefore I'm going to sit over here on the right and let her sit on the left? And what Dr. King is saying, you're fooling yourself. Because if you don't have the power to forgive, you don't have the power to love. And maybe our actions are a reflection of that. We must develop, Dr. King said, and maintain the capacity to forgive because he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. And there's some kind in the worst of us, some evil in the best of us. And when we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Dr. King said, I have decided to stick with love because hate is too great a burden to bear. It takes a lot of energy to hate somebody. It takes a lot of energy to be angry at someone. It just takes a lot of energy to do negative things because ultimately it drains your heart and it drains you. It is not enough to say we must not wage war. It is necessary to love peace and sacrifice for it. Dr. King said finally, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk, and if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep on moving forward. And then I was able to read a story that really caught my attention. And it was a story about Emmett Till's mother. How many of you remember Emmett Till? The young man in Mississippi, I think it was 1955. He was beat, severely beaten, and, I, and, and, and the mother decided that she was going to open the coffin, remember, at the funeral so everybody could see what the racist clan had done to her son. And so in an interview, his mother's name was Mamie Mobley, and she was the mother of Emmett Till. She was asked if she harbored bitterness toward two white men or toward whites generally for the brutal murder of her son in 1955. And this is what she said. She said, it certainly would be unnatural not to hate them. Yet, I have to say, I'm unnatural. The Lord gave me a shield. I don't know how to describe it myself. I did not, I did not wish them dead. I did not wish them in jail. 
If I had to, I could take their four children, they had two each, and I could raise them because I have a heart of love. And if they were my own, I could have loved them. I believe the Lord meant what he said and try to live according to the way I've been taught. And what she's really saying here is regardless of our earthly experience and what happens to us, we still have an obligation to love and be like God. And what we discover is that the enemy does not want us to be like God. Because if we are like God, it diminishes misunderstandings. It causes peace and comfort. And, and as long as we are hostile and in negative environments, God gets less out of our lives because we are no longer an example of what God's love looks like. We are the example that people use to say, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't go where the hypocrites are. At least I'm in the world and everybody knows it. So we have to be careful as children of God. We have to be careful that we are a reflection of God at all times. So when I look at love, I realize that I was giving love, Minister Derek, a narrow, narrow definition. And the more you read the Bible, I know all of you are students of the Bible, you understand that love comes in different fragrances. The ancient Greeks had anywhere between four and eight different words for love, depending on the source. Storage, phila, eros, and agape were only four. English definition of love has been used in reference to a strong affection for one another since before the 12th century. And according to the Bible dictionary, it has been said that the English language has only one word for love, but English also has other words implying such things as affection, friendship, and attraction. And the word love is constantly evolve, an evolving concept with ever-broadening definitions. How many of you love neck bones? How many of you love collard greens? How many of you love black eyed peas? How many of you love homemade peach cobbler? How many of you love chocolate ice cream? How many of you love your mama's pound cake? How many of you love a pork chop with some onions, green pepper, and a taste of garlic? And so sometimes we use the word love loosely, you know, that I love the way you look in that outfit. So what does that really mean? And so what the Bible is challenging us to do, Pastor Joseph, is get a grip on what unconditional love looks like. You see, Sister Monique, what is self-love? And instead of being merely a strong affection for one another, with acceptance and tolerance, another type of love we hear a lot about is called self-love. And sometimes we love ourselves so much, guess what? We're no earthly good to God and anybody else. You ought to say amen. amen. If you want to know how you acting, then you ought to just ask somebody you can trust. What does the Bible say about loving yourself? Scripture says that love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
for foreigners residing among you must be treated as your native born. That's in Leviticus 19.34. I will give you all of these scriptures. As a corruption put mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, the Bible says, Hetty, and that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient. I'm going to hit somebody's house soon to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. This is in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, just in case you think I'm making it up. Lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and have nothing to do with such people. In other words... When you find people with those qualities, you ought to run as fast as you can. And what does the Bible say about God's love? The Greek word, spiritual love. It's agape love, which according to the dictionary means the love of God or Christ for humankind. It's the love of Christians for other persons corresponding to the love of God for humankind. In other words, if you hurt my feelings or do something towards me that's negative, I still cannot justify not loving you if I say that I love God. What an assignment that is. If you hurt my feelings, I still have to love you because God says you got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Spiritual love is not self-love, but rather self-sacrificing love. And that's why when we look at the example of Jesus in Scripture, we ask the question, Malik, what have you laid down for the Lord lately? I've been asking that question since the series started. Nobody's really given me an example yet. So you have to ask yourself, if God gave his son, what did you give? Or are you getting ready? Spiritual love is generous, not selfish or greedy. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only son into the world. How many of you have children? How many of you would bring your only child to the altar as a sacrifice? I know Abraham is somewhere in the house. How many of you could bring Yuri to the altar? Lay him here because you heard God say so. But there's something about that unconditional love of God that makes you do crazy things. There was a song, I can't remember who used to sing it because I'm old. It was what love makes you do foolish things. They used to play it in Alabama in the 60s. Sit alone by the phone, a phone that never rings. Don't you, don't you love it? Don't you love love songs that have people falling in love and the other person doesn't love them at all? They're just singing a song. Have you, did you say amen? Hallelujah, amen. Have you ever heard people, they talk about love based on what the world has to say and the picture that Hollywood has created? Well, if we look at the track record of Hollywood, they're not doing well, Johnny, with love because most of them end up divorced, so they just pay the other one to go somewhere and be quiet forever. And we have to ask ourselves, Lord, what is it that you are asking me to do? And so the Lord is asking, me to, asking us to get rid of ourselves and ask to be filled with God's unconditional love. And when you know you're running low, then guess what? You get free refills. You don't have to go to Harris Teeter and get fuel points like I do. 
You don't have to stay in line trying to get an extra coupon because you don't want to pay $3 plus for a gallon. The Holy Spirit just fills you because the Holy Spirit knows when you're running low. The question is, do you know when you're running low? Do you know when you need a little boost of love? Oh, you ought to come on and tell the truth. You never felt drained and dry, and you never felt like, I'm just not with this right now. And have you ever felt like, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to see it, I don't want... Did you say amen? That's right, because somebody feels that way right now. Somebody already said, you need to wrap this up. I got to go. I got other stuff to do. I got to go get all the paper towel from Costco before everybody gets there. If you want to know what people are, are, are focused on, you ought to look at their activities. And now we're all getting ready to get ready for Christmas. And we're all buying up everything that we see just in case there's a shortage. But I'm here to tell you today that Eros in the Bible it's what we would call romantic love, and this is, includes love found in the Song of Solomon. You ever want to have somebody fall in love with you, read the Songs of Solomon to them? But I don't know if you could stand up to Solomon's witness because it was pretty strong. Oh, yeah, he had a rap that wouldn't wait. When they heard from King Solomon, it was over because he had the language together. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, that we should flee from sexual immorality and all other sins commit outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you know that? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And then just tip over to Solomon and you'll see Eros again. Let, me, let him kiss me, the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine, and pleasing is the fragrance of your love. So we need to understand that eros is not agape love. And having a sexual relationship with someone doesn't mean that there's any love at all. It's a physical act. And there's no love attached necessarily. So we must delight and praise the Lord for clarity. And then there's a second kind of fragrance of love. It's pronounced storge, T-S-T-O-R-J-Y. Spelled on the board, S-T-O-R-G-E. It refers to love between family members. Think of how many examples of stories you find in the Bible between the many families. You remember the story about Cain and Abel. You don't know the story about Cain and Abel? And Cain, now Abel kept flock and Cain worked the soil. And in the source of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought an offering as well, fat portions from some of the firstborns of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, this is in Genesis 4, uh, verse number six, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will not, you will be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. How many of you realize that sin is constantly knocking at your door? 
oh, you got to do better than that. You got to know when sin is knocking and when the Lord is knocking because the knocks are just not the same. And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out for me in the ground. How many of you know dysfunctional families where sisters and brothers hate each other and sisters and brothers don't speak to each other and families can't come together because they have a difference of opinion about everything? Well, you would ask yourself in those circumstances that where is the love of God? Are you an instrument of love or are you an instrument of confusion? Are you the one God planted in this family to pray them out, or are you one to be a part of the chaos? And then there's philia, friendship. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer, Romans 10. For I can testify about them that are zealous for God, but that zeal is not based on knowledge. Have you ever been in a place where people are happy, 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 and there's so much evidence of the Lord in them and how quickly it dries up? Have you ever observed how friends treat each other? Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will send into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says, the word near you, it is your mouth and in your heart and the message confirming faith that we complain. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not complicated. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't need to be able to read or write. All you need to know is that if you confess with your mouth, and say and believe in your heart that you have the gift of salvation. And then we look at 1 Samuel 18 after David had finished talking with Saul. Jonathan became one, he and Jonathan became one in spirit. But David loved him as himself. For that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David. Anybody here have a covenant with a friend? I won't ever tell what I saw you do. I won't ever repeat that you said that. I will be good and keep your secret. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops, Deacon Huff. And Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the women came out from all the towns in Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. I would not be in that group. No singing, no dancing. But I could have a word. With joyful songs and with trembles uh, and leers, as they danced, they sang. And what they really said is that David... Killed thousands, but Saul did not. And it only agitated Saul even more because he was jealous of David. And Solomon made, excuse me, Jonathan made a decision that I'm going to choose you over hatred and my own father. And then Psalm 136 says it all and said, give thanks to the Lord. 
for his love endures forever. You ought to read it to yourself. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens? As I was walking along the ocean and looking at the waves and thinking about the goodness of God, I could see God in everything. Who spreads out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Are you in a drought right now? If you're in a drought right now, I offer you Jesus, and I offer you God's love. If nothing makes you happy, then I offer you Jesus and God's love. Our lives would change immediately if we would just stop battling and just give our lives our minds, our souls, our hearts. I give everything that I have to the Lord. I can't manage all that myself. I don't want to. I give everything to the Lord because then I can yield to the will of the Lord. And the more I read about love, Ed, the more I realized how important it is to understand what love really looks like. And that's how I came up with this title, of the fragrances of love, because all love doesn't look and smell the same. And I realized that love is like perfume. And as I was thinking about that even more, Sister Kelly, I realized that you can buy expensive perfume. I did bring some perfume, but I didn't bring my most expensive because I knew we were going to do this right here. And so this is what's going to happen. See, what I learned about this is that if you spray a little bit of this perfume, you get to spray just a little on Sister Shireen. And then this is one of my finer collections, so just spray something on Sister Connie. Uh, go with her right wrist. If anybody breaks out, call me. I'll let you. <laughs> and then I decided that I would... Just have some of my coach, you know, you see this nice packaging and everything. You can spray a little bit on Sister Sandra, that's right. That's enough. You don't need much. You don't need a whole lot. How many of you have been around and somebody walks past you and you just want to go, oh, no. Oh, my God. What I realize is that love has a fragrance of its own because sometimes we don't realize that our body chemistry mixes with the chemicals in the perfume and gives off its own flavor and fragrance in the air. And what happens is that when we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, that chemistry in us is not sweet and kind and so forth. And so I use the perfume to show you that the perfume, it doesn't matter how much it costs or whether it was from Rome or Greece or Italy, it just doesn't matter. Because if you put good perfume on a body with bad chemistry, it is not gonna smell good. That's just the way it works. So you can go buy the most expensive perfume in the world, but all you're going to do is waste it on somebody who is hostile and the chemistry of their body does not mix with that cologne. In Alabama, women spray and men do too. Cologne everywhere. Under your arms. I don't have to name nobody. I said everywhere. And you walk around and you ask yourself, does it take all of that? No, it does not. 
Because what happens with love is that the Lord gives us the chemistry and the spirit to throw off a gentle fragrance of love and we don't have to do anything at all. But if you're walking around with your own fragrance in your pocketbook and you are not filled with the spirit of God, you might be throwing off some odors that other people just don't want to deal with. So I ask you today, what is the fragrance of your love? What does it smell like? What does it look like? And when people look at you, what do they say? Oh, I know she got that at Goodwill. Oh, I know she got that at the cheap counter. You see, in Alabama, people talk about you. You got the cheap perfume. Because you went to Zagabies, you didn't have any money to go to Dillard's. But I have found that the cheap perfume works as well as expensive perfume if the Holy Ghost has fixed you on the inside. So the question I ask you today is, what are you wearing? What are you wearing today? What are you wearing today? Are you wearing your, uh, 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 are you uh, beautiful? Are you wearing your Christian Dior? Are you wearing your, and the one by, oh, Liz Taylor with the diamonds on the top. Oh my God. Are you wearing diamonds by Liz? Because it doesn't matter what you wear if you don't have the right spirit and the right chemistry. And only God can give you that. It doesn't matter how much you dress up and how much you spend on your outer appearance. If the Holy Ghost has not worked through you on the inside, you are worthless to God. And what I'm trying to say is that once you are fixed on the inside by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to tell your story. Your story goes before you. Once you have been given the right chemistry by God, you learn to treat people the way God treats people. You learn to walk in agape and unconditional love. When you have been stirred up by the fragrance of Jesus Christ, you're fired up to do the Lord's work the way the Lord wants you to do it. So the question I ask you today, church, what do you smell like when you walk by? What do you smell like when you enter a room? What do you smell like? Are you so toxic that once you even leave the space that we can still smell your hatred and anxiety? So the question today is, what do you smell like? And I don't know, but you ought to ask someone close to you to walk by. Take a little hint. Walk by and ask, what are you getting from me? Because what I have learned that when you give everything you have to Jesus, oh yes, Holy Ghost, you wake up every morning with a fresh supply of love from heaven. You wake up every morning with a mind that I'm going to love in the name of Jesus. You wake up every morning and say, world, I don't care what you're saying, how you do it. I'm going to live for the Lord with every drop of energy that I have. I don't really care about that because I want to see my Lord and I want to tell my story and I want to draw people into the kingdom and not run them out of the kingdom because I'm wearing the wrong fragrance. May God bless you. May God keep you. And may your aroma rise up 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that word today. Yeah. Please stay in the doors of the church are open. The doors of the church are open. This is a special time of the service where we allow anyone who wants to get that new fragrance, that new aroma of the Holy Spirit to make that choice today. And say they want to start fresh and give their lives to you, Holy Father. So the doors of the church are open where we can recognize you and welcome you. If you need to be baptized, start fresh in a new church in Christian discipleship. We're open for you and we'll lead you on the path to that Christian journey. Amen? So the doors of the church are open for anyone and all of those who want to know our Savior better. And for those streaming online, you also can make a choice today to get that fresh aroma of the Holy Spirit coming in your life. And all you have to do is to admit, first admit that you're a sinner. And second, believe that our Lord and Savior died on a cross and rose on that third day, ascended to heaven for your sins. And then confess with your heart and mind that our Lord and Savior is Lord of all. And after you've done those things, you will be saved. You can start feeling that fresh fragrance of peace, hope, and love coming into your life. And if you have made that choice today, all those in the sound of my voice, you can recite this prayer with me and repeat after me and say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you for, to forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on a cross to save me from my sins. I know, I now know, and I now ask you to be Lord of my life. And I promise to commit my life to you. Amen. And we ask all of those who have streamed online and have made that choice today, send an email to us with the word salvation in the subject. And someone will contact you and point you in the right direction on your Christian discipleship journey. So the doors are still open for anyone. Anyone. Praise God. Let's praise God for today. Hallelujah. 
thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or would like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-cary.org. Thank you again.